Hi, and welcome to a very short introduction. From ancient Greece to branding, globalisation to Homer, and logic to fashion, we'll showcase a concise and dynamic insight into a range of diverse topics for wherever your curiosity may lead you. So here is today's very short introduction. Hello, I'm Marina Warner, and I'm a writer of fiction, cultural history, and critical essays about literature and art. I also teach at Birkbeck College London, where I'm professor of English and creative writing. My book in this series is called Fairy Tale, a very short introduction. And in it, I ask, what is a fairy tale? Such stories like Cinderella, Red Riding Hood, Jack and the Beanstalk, The Thousand and One Nights, are part of our earliest experiences, and their fascination continues well into our grown-up lives. They're familiar the world over, and they shape and colour our imagination and our values. I was first fascinated by fairy tales when I was a little girl. My father was a bookseller, and I was very lucky to have access to lots of books. And then I felt a bit ashamed in my sort of later teenage because fairy tales were decried as silly and viciously involved in getting rich, the Cinderella story of marrying a prince. And many feminists like myself really, really denounced them. But then a writer called Angela Carter came along and in the mid-70s she began writing new fairy tales on the old material in her book The Bloody Chamber. And she is a wonderful writer, as I'm sure many of you know. I felt that she'd given me permission to go back to this source of huge enjoyment and pleasure and think about these stories for their potential, their emancipatory potential, their potential for women, their potential for children, and in general for shaping a kind of different way of experiencing the world. So some of the features of a fairy tale that I've tried to look at are that we were very involved in the past in exceptional women. But the voices you hear in the fairy tale are anonymous women. Cinderella isn't a real person. She's not Queen Elizabeth I. She's an ordinary girl. She becomes a princess, but that's part of the happy ending. We hear the voices of muffled, insignificant people, people who have no name, and we hear the stories about them. So that it's a reservoir, an astonishingly rich reservoir, of a kind of literature that is not really on many bookshelves, that is not thought of as literature, because we think of literature as authored by famous people, by Jane Austen or Dickens. So this is a body, it's close to folklore, but it's a body of wisdom and knowledge and narrative about the past and people's experiences of the past. In some ways, the fairy tales is a little bit like saints' lives and indeed classical myths, where classical myths feature gods and goddesses and are often tragic, whereas fairy tales are buoyed by this inherent optimism, that they are moving towards a significant change in the hero and heroine's lives. One of the defining features, therefore, is the happy ending. The heroine or the hero triumphs against adversity for the most part. Secondly, wonder tales, which is another term used for fairy tales, gives us a clue to a very profound aspect of fairy tales. And that is that anything is possible, that magic drives the action. There are fairy godmothers and lots of fairies. There are wicked witches. There are good wizards and mischievous imps and goblins and genies. Genies in the Arabian Nights can go either way. They can work wonders for you or they can visit ills upon you. In a fairy tale, animals of every kind can speak. They have sentience like people. And the whole of the created world 
is subject to enchantment and can work magical transformations. Trees, lamps and mirrors are alive, like the one which tells the wicked stepmother that Snow White is now the fairest of them all. A third feature of fairy tales is that they are very old. We have a mistaken impression that they're 19th century because most of the collectors, like the Brothers Grimm, or the retellers, like Hans Christian Andersen in Denmark, belonged to a romantic nationalist movement that wanted to rediscover the material of the local people, the language, the country. Here in the UK, Wordsworth and Coleridge, the great romantic poets, call their first book Lyrical Ballads. Ballads is another vehicle for fairy tale. Those ballads that they collected tell often terrifying stories, haunted stories, charmed stories. The tradition was usually disparaged. Plato, the great Greek philosopher, actually called them old wives' tales, and he did not mean it approvingly. Fairy tales have always attracted fierce criticism because of their origin amongst the people. They're looked down on. This is not the literature of the literate elite. This is some kind of oral deposit of knowledge, and it often attracted criticism as savage, superstitious, and ignorant, cruel, longing for revenge. And the idea came across very strongly that we should all, like children, grow out of them. In fact, in this country, though the romantic poets and romantic writers, like Sir Walter Scott, wrote up their fairy tale material for adults, increasingly since the 19th century, fairy tales have been produced, often in beautiful editions with wonderful illustrations for children. The genre has been seen as childish, though that is changing. Unexpectedly, the very cruelty of the stories points us to another element, another feature of the genre that is, to my mind, very important. And that is that the picture the stories give has a kind of historical truth. You know, Angela Carter, the writer I mentioned before, said that the way you wrote a fairy tale was the way you made potato soup. And she meant by that they were faced the reality of people's lives. So the infanticide that you see in some of the stories, like Hansel and Gretel, the inter-family strife, the terrible rivalries between sisters, which happens in Cinderella and many other stories, the incestuous love of fathers for their daughters, which happens in Donkey Skin and in many other stories too. These are realities, and they are realities that are faced up to with more frankness and honesty than perhaps in other branches of literature. But they're couched in a symbolic language that distances them once upon a time and far away. And that very distance means that the horrors and pain that the stories confront can actually be experienced with the pleasure of a story. The narrative itself gives room for confronting reality, but not being totally engulfed and crushed by it. And of course, as I said before, very important that usually the victim succeeds in escaping. So it is a promise here that these conditions could be changed, could be altered. So however fantastic the episodes, the cannibalism, the transformations into animals, the switches of fortune from rags to riches, these are vivid metaphors for the condition of audiences and readers' lives, but the stories offer escape. They give hope. 
that things will get better. And in difficult times like these ones we're living through now, with many, many circumstances that could be told in a fairy tale, assailing people's ordinary lives in times of coronavirus, increasing poverty and so forth. This hope held out by the genre is a small light burning in the dark, and we need to avoid dimming it or blowing it out. Walter Benjamin is one of many modern thinkers who resisted the intellectual critique of fairy tales and saw in them a special resource for resistance and optimism, for using imagination to model a different prospect and possibilities. Imagination in such narratives is the royal road to reconfiguring, to keeping mobility a possibility. And fairy tales are these repositories of long, deep wisdom also about nature and its relations, not just people. And one of the themes of fairy tales that is emerging very strongly recently is to do with the ecological crisis. Because the forest, which is the main metaphor of a place in fairy tale, is also a place where natural relations need to be understood and cared for. And the fact that animals speak in fairy tales, I think, offers an opportunity for thinking about our relations to the living world in a different way. And fairy tales have been used by many different groups of people with different interests to explore their status. Women have looked at the conditions of marriage, they've looked at the conditions of independence, and here we come to another theme that I try to explore, and that is that selection matters very much. The tendency in the 19th century in the Victorian era was to choose, select against stories with strong women. That, that tendency has now changed and the trend is going the other way. Editors and illustrators and filmmakers and theatre makers are all selecting stories for strong, powerful, interesting heroines. For me, one of the most important possibilities that fairy tales open up for us is that this language, this symbolic language that they characteristically use to confront difficulties and pain is an Esperanto. It's, an, it's a kind of universal lexicon. So the glass, the apples, the shoes, the gold, these are all motifs in a complex poem, really, a kind of poetic language to look at the world. And this language is not confined to nations or languages. It can leap borders, it can travel through any number of barbed wire fences. And this, to me, is a very valuable resource. We can build the common ground because when I say Snow White or Jack and the Beanstalk, even if you are far, far away in another world, another country, this kind of story will speak to you. And I think that's one of the reasons that we're finding more and more entertainment, some of it art house entertainment, some of it blockbuster entertainment, draws now on fairy tale motifs. The need to try and re-knit the common fabric, to recognize in each other something we have in common that we can use to pull together and live through and survive the difficulties and obstacles and general disarray of the world at the moment. I think that people decried the happy ending as a lie, but it isn't a lie, it's a kind of dream. And it is by these kinds of dreams that we can think out the possibilities of changing something for the better.